Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Live Free Experience. I'm your host, Brianna Bowley, international performance coach, human potential coach, whatever the hell you want to refer to me as. I'm sort of playing around with that one myself at the moment. <laughs> and uh, founder of the Live Free Movement, a movement dedicated to showing the world what else is possible. So on today's show, uh, I sat down and I had a chat with Gemma the Bull Pike. Now, Gemma is a professional mixed martial artist with a foundational style uh, in Muay Thai. And uh, I actually stumbled upon Gemma really very early in my own martial arts journey uh, via social media. And what really stood out to me about Gemma was her willingness to just really be herself and to express herself unapologetically. And uh, my reason for having her on the show was because, you know, not only do I feel like that is a good fit for the Live Free Experience's intention, which is to, you know, really get people to question what's possible for their life and and, and really come to a place where they can live life on their terms. Um, so, I wanted her on here not only because of the impact she's had on me, um, but also because uh, we have a mutual connection through the Girl Army, the Girl Clothing brand, Courtney Olsen. And also I, I caught up with a friend of mine, Kayla Hamilton, who said to me, um, you know, Gemma Pike would be a really rad person to have on the show. You know, she's she's passionate about what she does. Um, she's super down to earth, super easy to talk to. And I hit her up on social media and, you know, personally, I felt like we connected almost immediately. Um, and, uh, you know, Gem, uh, sorry, Kayla was right. She's super down to earth. Um, the conversation, you know, in the show really, really flowed. Admittedly, I was a couple of wines deep, but, you know, regardless, like we hit on some pretty rad topics. So, um, you know, we sort of just, we discussed the jiu-jitsu grading system. We discussed, you know, having the courage to really pursue your purpose Um we discussed her courageous move, you know, I call it courageous, it definitely takes balls, um, her courageous move from Australia uh, to then train in Thailand for three years uh, before making the move to live in Berlin uh, with the intention of then pursuing her martial arts journey on an even deeper level. Um, I can't even remember what else we talked about, to be honest. It kind of, it just flowed that smoothly. Um Speaking of rad conversations, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Conrad Jeffries. So Conrad has been helping me here and there with some of the nitty gritty kind of bullshit details of like the background stuff of a podcast, right? And um, Conrad, I initially connected with Conrad through um, a mutual kind of sponsorship client connection with Jessica Rose Clark. Now, Jessica Rose Clark is a flyweight uh, UFC fighter. Uh, she's currently ranked seventh in the world. Um, anyway, and uh, yeah, so I connected with Conrad and um, he is the co-host of uh, Pro Edge podcast and like he's a funny fucker. He, the dude makes me laugh. Um, I, go, I don't get some of his jokes because like, I don't know, he's super American um, and I think I'm pretty like Ocker's Australian. But regardless, um, him and his co-host, uh, Tim Meyer, I, I hope I got that right, um, they're doing some really cool shit with the podcast. They're interviewing some cool people like, the, uh, you know, the other week they interviewed um, a female police officer. Um, they interviewed Jesse Brock, who I believe he's the head trainer at SBG in Idaho. Um, like they're just doing some cool stuff. Like their podcast is super entertaining. As I said, Conrad's like he's he's 
funny as fuck. So um, big shouts to him. Like, thank thank you for all your help. Um, go check their stuff out. You can find it on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Pro Edge Podcast. Anyway, let's get the show on the road. How are we doing, Gemma? Hey, how are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. How's your day been? Uh, it's been good. It's a nice early start for me at the moment, so it's been long already, but good. <laughs> I, I've, I just forgot we're on completely separate time zones. So it's, um, yeah. <laughs> what is it, like 10? It's, mid, mid, it's midday, midday over midday. here now. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's like, uh, what, 10 o'clock here, 10 p.m.? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, so how's, what, what have you been up to this morning? Much? Um, this morning I just got up and I went and did my CrossFit session, got a bit of training in. Um, I've, I'm doing a lot of work online at the moment too, so I just kind of came home and was pottering around, doing some work, cleaning my apartment, <laughs> the usual stuff. <laughs> nice. So um, training-wise, what are you up to at the moment? Are you prepping for a fight or are you where are you at? Yeah, so um we were we were hoping to fight on a show called Respect FC in Germany in May, but unfortunately the promoter never really kind of got back to us and finalized that fight. So um at the moment I'm just kind of training. I'm going to compete in the CrossFit Games open workouts. So I'm kind of, yeah, making the most of the fact that I don't have a fight booked right now so I can kind of really smash out the CrossFit right now, which is a lot of fun for me. So, Sweet. I'm curious. Um, how do you go kind of juggling MMA and CrossFit? Because they're two fairly like heavily, I mean, I've dabbled in CrossFit myself. I haven't done a whole heap. Um, and yeah. then I train, uh, I guess, moderately in MMA. Um, i I was going to say heavy, but I think in comparison to probably your training regime, it's probably <laughs> not a whole lot. But I mean, yeah, they're both pretty like intensive um, training styles. How do you sort of go meshing the two together? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I kind of use CrossFit as my conditioning for MMA. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what people really don't realize is that there's so much in CrossFit that translates into MMA and so much about learning how to move your own body and kind of use your own strength um, that I really get to use when I'm, when I'm training or my wrestling, you know, I've got strong legs from CrossFit. It's, it's, it really kind of goes hand in hand for me personally. So, um, so yeah, I mean, last year actually um, I fought in Berlin in September and a week later I went and competed in one of the European throwdowns that I'd qualified for, for the finals weekends, which is, it's like a, you know, baby, baby CrossFit games. It's two days of, of intense competition. And I did those back to back. And that was probably physically one of the toughest challenges I had in terms of training and trying to get it all done. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But, um, yeah. So you were in uh, sort of the MMA world before the CrossFit world. Is, is that right? Um, yes, I guess you could say that. So actually I started fighting, I started my career as a Muay Thai fighter. So I had yep. 30 professional Muay Thai fights first and yeah, <laughs> which was awesome. Um, and I kind of, I was doing a fair bit of strength and conditioning in Thailand at unit 27 mm-hmm. and, uh, I was really kind of loving a lot of circuit training and People kept saying to me, you've got to try CrossFit, you've got to try CrossFit. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not that interested. Like, I like what I'm doing, I like what I'm doing. And then I moved to Berlin and I'd been training all my 
uh, grappling in MMA and I was making that transition for about a year now. And when I moved to Berlin, CrossFit's really, really kind of booming here right now. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to see what boxes are around and see if there's anything kind of close to home and easy to get to. And there's a, I found this place about a kilometer away from my new apartment and I said, okay, I'm going to go and try it out. And I just kind of fell in love with it straight away. It really fuels my competitive side, um, but it's just kind of, it's not so much about competing against anyone else. It's just about doing better for myself, being a little bit better than I was in that last workout or in that last lift. Mm, Absolutely. So how do you go like in terms of your um, recovery and, um, I guess, I guess sort of minimising the potential for, for injuries and that with such an intensive training regime. How do you sort of work that that recovery side in? This is kind of the – this is the trickiest part of it, actually. The training part's yep. easy. Um, <laughs> it's um, dedicating time to doing your mobility work, and this is what I, I really got from CrossFit as well as kind of learning a lot more about mobilizing my own body and not just kind of doing static stretching, but actual mobility work, you know, with three years in Thailand and nonstop kicking, my hips are definitely, you know, a bit worse for wear. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of try to dedicate a lot of time for stretching post-training. I've got my foam rollers and my little bands and everything at home. I also have a, a TENS and EMS unit, which has helped me, exponentially it's been the best kind of financial investment I've made in a long time so it's uh, one of those little devices that you place the pads over your muscles and it kind of massages and and puts in kind of electronic signals into your muscles so Mm -hmm. you can do different things with it but I use it for massage and recovery a lot and it's been fantastic that and good food as well making sure that my nutrition is really on point because you know, like I, I, my, one of my coaches always jokes, he's like, I train so I can eat. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> not so efficient for me because I'm training so much. So, yeah, it's just diet and just really putting aside time and, and getting my stretching done. Even if I'm sitting at home and watching Netflix or something, I try to get in some stretching and some mobility just while I'm kind of in my living room as well. Yep, sure. So, um, look, I've sort of... I guess dove into um, doing a little bit of, I suppose, research on you and, and sort of seeing where you've come from and, and what have you. Um, but just for the listeners, so you're Australian, mm-hmm. but you, um, so you, lived, you lived in Thailand for a period of time, right? And then yep. you're now living in Berlin. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Can you yep. talk us through that a little bit? Yep. So actually, I'm, I'm Korean born and yep. I was adopted into Australia. And, yeah, and I grew up in a really, really, really small – actually, I grew up in a farm 30 kilometres outside of a really, really small country town in New South Wales. Um, And that was was a really kind of incredible uh, growing up experience. And, yeah, so I lived in Canberra, lived in Melbourne for a while, did five years in Melbourne, and then I kind of – I was – I was uh, at university getting my law degree and I was working as a legal secretary and paralegal as well. And I was pretty miserable at the time, to be honest. It just wasn't really working the way that I wanted it to work. I was trying to juggle too many balls, too many things, and I really ended up working myself into the ground. And then one day I just kind of said, 
uh, I'm going to just take a couple of weeks off, go for a week to Thailand, just train, not think about anything. Uh, and then after that, I came home and I'm like, I want to go for six months. I want to go for six months and just see if I can, if I can train and fight full time, see how I feel, you know, being, a, being an athlete, living as a professional athlete. Six months turned into a year, a year turned into three. <laughs> um, and, and while I was in Thailand, uh, I started transitioning with my training and started focusing more on MMA. I was still fighting Muay Thai um, just for the paycheck, basically, and mm-hmm. for the experience as well. Um, yeah, and then uh, it kind of reached a point where Thailand can be a tough place to live after a while. It's a it's, it's compli- complicated place to live, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of not all all beaches and and uh, cocktails and, <laughs> yeah. and smiling Thai people. So um, I knew I wanted to get into MMA. I was, I've been set on that even before I started Muay Thai. I always wanted to do MMA first, and I just kind of sidestepped a little bit on the way there. And so when I was making the decision about should I go home and try to get going in my MMA career, I kind of had to really think about my age and how long I have left in the sport and where is the best place, one of the best places in the world where I could be, where I have access to fights, where promoters can fly me easily, where it's not going to be difficult to get my start. And Europe kind of checked a lot of boxes. I, 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 I thought about America a lot and I decided it, at the time it just wasn't really somewhere where I wanted to live full time. Mm-hmm. And so then I, yeah, I did a six week, a uh, scouting tour around around Europe, you could say. I checked out a bunch of different gyms in a bunch of different countries and cities where I thought, okay, maybe I could live here, maybe I could set myself up here, what's the cost of living? And um, I ended up landing on Germany because I had initially found a gym that offered me sponsorship straight away. We spoke and I said, I want to move here and I want to fight full time. And they were really excited to have me. And uh, Berlin is a really, really incredible city as well. And I fell in love with that. And financially, cost of living in Berlin is super low for a European city as well of this kind of scale. So that's how I ended up here. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's a pretty ballsy move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get this a lot, actually. And it's, it's kind of strange because I, when I made the choice to move to Thailand, um, actually, one of my closest friends who is actually here in Berlin as well, uh, he had just announced that he was moving to Berlin. And I remember thinking, man, that, that takes some real kind of balls, you know, to, to just like say, no, I'm going to just go. I'm going to go live abroad. I'm going to chase my dreams. And then I thought, you know what, why am I not doing that? Why am I, you know, I'm doing something because I think I'm supposed to be doing it. I think, you know, society tells me a law degree is very valuable and I could be a lawyer and make a lot of money and have a family and support myself and all that kind of stuff. And it was never really me. I, you know, so I just went, no, okay. And I had to really hit rock bottom. As I said, I was having a really hard time in Australia I was working with an extremely difficult man as well at the time and and I think I got lucky because it really pushed me to go, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to go. And then from there it was just like 
just kind of chasing that dream. It's like the next step, the next step. Okay, how can I be better? How can I do more? Where's the best training? Where can I go? Okay, so yeah, it's, it didn't even really come down to to a courage thing. It just kind of came down to, okay, I want this. This is what I want. I love this, mm-hmm. and I'm lucky that I get to do what I love. So keep doing it, keep pushing it, and keep keep working for it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes when you you've got that, I guess, um, inspired mission, it's, I, I guess, sort of the more logical factors like, um, you know, the fact that maybe you're going to a new city where you don't know anyone and uh, all of that sort of doubt and, and, and the fears and all of that, they're, they're irrelevant, right, when you're really living from that space of, enli- of alignment. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. it's not it's not about those things. It's not about it's it's about okay, how am I going to be that next ten percent better? How am I mm-hmm. going to have success? How am I going to get fights? How am I going to get sponsors? Okay, great. You know, European European women's MMA is really taking off right now, and and so it wasn't. Yeah, everything else was irrelevant. It was like find a city that I'm comfortable in, find a gym that I click with where I know the training's good, and everything else. Is just a second after that. Mm. Yeah, that, I really connect with that. I love it. Um, cool. So we touched on briefly on Instagram. I saw you put up a post about um, having to kind of accept that through your travels, you'd have to, um, I guess, give up the grading system of jiu-jitsu. And, yeah. Um, this landed with me because this is sort of a, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I suppose, relatively new in the scheme of things to jiu-jitsu. I've been training for about 18 months now off and on. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I sort of live a bit of a nomad lifestyle myself. And um, it's a struggle that I've been going through the last maybe three months of dealing with the fact mm-hmm. that um, you know, just, just what would have been about a month ago, I, um, my main sort of gym had their grading night and I sort of showed up not expecting to grade and of course didn't grade. And it came down to, I had yeah. a conversation with my coach and he said, look, it's, it's based purely on attendance. And he said, you know, the skills there, but if you, uh, attend for the next three months, uh, regularly enough, I'll, um, double stripe you. So, basically you know catch up that that stripe that I missed out on and I was like cool like I'm gonna throw my all into this and I'm really gonna you know push to get these two Mm. stripes and then I was like fuck that because that's giving up all my travel right and so that Mm -hmm. like shook me quite a bit and uh yeah yeah, so I saw that you wrote about your struggles can we kind of dive into that a little bit yeah absolutely um this has been a really interesting thing for me too because jiu-jitsu is kind of the newer part of my training regime I I kind of dabbled a little bit in Melbourne when I was at absolute MMA just because my friends were there so it wasn't really so much about oh I'm going to get really good at jiu-jitsu it was like I want to go and train with my friends and we have a good time and you know I I suck at this so it's all good (laughs) um and then uh, when I started picking it up in, in Thailand, I was at AKA. And um, as a part of the, my MMA sponsorship, it was mandatory that I completed, um, I think, five, five grappling sessions a week. And three of those happened to be, no, uh, happened to be gi. Yep. And um, I, you know, being in Phuket, 
people come from all over the world. You get to see people in very different kind of levels and um, very different skill sets, very different backgrounds of grappling because all the schools are a little bit different. I mean, at the end of the day, the core of it's the same, but, you know, just different styles. You know, you've got a lot of half-guard players. You, you know, you've got people that like to play from guard, things like this. So, you know, I was training in Thailand and, and uh, they brought in a girl who signed to Bellator and uh, they said, you guys are going to be great sparring partners and training partners because you fight in the same weight class and you're pretty much the same size. I said, perfect, let's, let's do it. And, you know, she came in and she had three stripes on her white belt. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started training together and we're sparring, rolling, doing kind of a bit of everything. And at this moment, there was this moment where I kind of went, I think I'm better than you in my skill set on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't an arrogant thing. It, it didn't come from ah, oh, you know, I'm better than you. You suck or anything like that. It was just no man. Like I think that my skills, like I'm developing. And my jiu-jitsu coach was telling me every day. He's like, every day you get better. He's like, it, always like really praising me. And this man rarely gives praise to anyone, you know. So mm-hmm. I really felt like yeah, I'm I'm developing. My skills are getting there. Like I'm grappling well. It's good. And then every time we stood at the end of class and, you know, at, at AKA it's a bit different too. We don't really have so much grading sessions because of the nature of, of, of Thailand and the nature of the students that come in and out. There's not real consistency there. So we don't really do gradings. And so you just kind of get graded based on what the professor thinks is going on. So if he thinks that you're deserving of your blue belt, your purple belt, he'll give you, he'll present that to you. Yep. Um, and so I knew that this was the process, and now it's like, okay, this is great. Like, I, you know, I'm spending a lot of time in a gi. I'm going to start working towards my blue belt. And so every time we stood at the end of class, and he would hand out stripes or promote people with their belts, and I was just kind of standing there. And every time, I just kind of was like waiting. I was waiting. I was expecting it. I was like, why aren't you giving me a yeah. stripe even, like one stripe? You know, you, you're constantly telling me I'm getting better. You're constantly telling me, you know, how, how good everything is. But there's no kind of acknowledgement of that. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we had another incident there too where we had some, some guys come in. They were long-stay tourists. They were with us for about three or four months, I think. And they were brand new to jiu-jitsu. And, you know, I, I was working with these guys a lot on the side as well and kind of helping them with the new stuff. And then one day he just gives these guys all stripes. Nothing for me. Okay. And it really, it really bothered me at that point. Yeah. I was like, man, what do, what do I have to do to get my first stripe? So it doesn't look that I look like I'm like this complete newbie, you know? Yeah. And I really, I put, I started putting a lot of kind of pressure around that, around trying to be a little bit more aggressive in training as well trying to really go for submissions and like just not letting anyone take me on the mat because I wanted to prove that I I was deserving of this mm-hmm. and it just never happened and this went on for about a year and all my friends got stripes all my friends got new belts they leveled up tourists came in got stripes got new belts and I just stayed there as a complete white belt and it it just I was kind of like man I don't know. I don't know what's wrong here. I don't, I don't understand. Like I'm here all the time. I show up. I'm part of the gym. I'm supposed to be part of this team. 
And, you know, it's one of those things you can't go up to your professor and say, hey, why aren't you giving me, you know, like, where's yeah. my stripe? <laughs> um, you kind of can't say this. And so I really had to take a step back when I moved to Berlin. I had to really do a reset. And I, I made a decision to myself that I wasn't going to do any more gi training because I thought, okay, I don't need it. I, this is not my focus. I'm not trying to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu right now. My focus is MMA. I need to do more no-gi anyway. I'm ditching the gi. I'm not even going to do it. I'm not going to think about it. Yep. Um, and so then I shifted away from that and just tried to get back to growing my grappling skills, growing more as an athlete and focus, refocusing on that. And because there's nothing when, – when everyone's in their no-gi gear – Sure, you know your friends and their belts that they are, but for the most part, you can't look at someone and go, oh, yeah, you're on that level. You can't mm-hmm. compare yourself when you sit down for that role. It's just you roll. You, you try to teach each other some stuff. You learn from each other. And I kind of did a reset for that. But then the same thing happened when I started going back to the gi as well because with the scheduling that I had and the programming that they had, there was one kind of day where the only real option for me to do a good training session was a gi session. And I said, look, I actually enjoy gi training. And if it's okay, I would like to do this class. And my manager at the time said, yep, absolutely. Um, It'll be really good for your grip strength and just something a little bit different as well, you know, outside of the MMA realm, just, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. And so I went back in and I was feeling good and, you know, yeah, you know, I wasn't amazing, but, I put in a, a pretty solid year on the mats by this stage, so I also wasn't a complete beginner. But I also then got treated like a complete beginner. <laughs> and, again, it was one of those things where because I wasn't available for the gradings at this gym because I was usually doing something that I needed for my MMA stuff, and so I never went to gradings. So, I, again, I never leveled up. And it created this real kind of bitterness in me, and not just, towards my coaches, I, I found that I couldn't find any joy for my teammates, any genuine joy for my mm. teammates when they were leveling up. Yeah, you know, it should yeah. be an exciting thing. Oh, yeah, man, that's awesome. Like, I respect that. But there was just no, no joy there for me anymore. I was just like, this is bullshit. I'm like, this sucks. Like, I hate it. I hate it. And it really made me start hating jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And so I shifted teams again at uh, middle of – Middle of last year, I, I made a, uh, went to a new team in Germany. And again, it was ditched the gi, had to reset my thought process and go, okay, don't think about it. But then the coaching style um, of my new kind of jiu-jitsu coach, he, it suits me so well. Mm-hmm. And from there, I got to move past what the stripes were and what it meant. And I really had to recondition my thought process and and remind myself, actively remind myself, the stripes don't dictate the level of skills you have on the mats. You've moved gyms a lot. You've moved countries a lot. Like, this is not a thing. And, you know, like, this is, I'm with a coach that I really trust who takes time out of his day to help me with, with training, to help me drill, to help me roll, and he's always telling me that I'm developing as I should be and that my skill level is is better in it for MMA purposes than, you know, a lot of women in Berlin. And from there, I got to really start to kind of let it go. And, you know, I also spoke to him about grading processes and kind of his thoughts around grading because we don't do big grading days either um, at my new gym. He just kind of, if he feels that you're on that level, 
he will award you your stripe, he'll award you your next belt. Um, but also from him, I really got the sense that it is, it's not an attendance thing, but it's a respect thing, you know, like put on your gear and show up and do the work. It's not just like rolling in and saying, oh, yeah, I'm like really badass and no gear, I deserve a stripe. It's not about that. It's like, okay, just, you know, it's, it's kind of like a bit of commitment, I guess, is, mm. is how I kind of felt with it. And, and from there, I kind of got to let go of, you know, this doesn't define me anymore because mm. I know I can get on the mats and roll with guys that have three or four stripes and they're not tapping me, you know? Mm. So I know, I, I know that there should be a stripe there, but the fact that it isn't there, it was no longer a thing mm. because I got to really, I got to understand it from a professor's point of view. And I also was just in a better place with it emotionally as well. And I think because I've had a lot of problems and troubles with gyms and, and honestly really getting screwed over by people in my, in my career thus far. And I think too, because this is the first time where I've been somewhere where I really trust my team, I trust my coaches and I feel so valued and so respected that I could let all this other bullshit go because mm. I don't have to prove myself to these guys. I don't have to constantly remind them that I have all this fight experience, that I've been out there and I've been doing it for the last few years, that I'm not just a beginner anymore, you know. And mm. so that also too was a major part in me just letting go of all the other nonsense and not letting it cloud my mind anymore because at the end of the day, it didn't matter. Yeah, at the end absolutely. of the day, I still, I still show up. I still I do the same drills as everyone else and sometimes they work in, inspiring, sometimes they don't, but at the end of the day, I'm still developing and mm. the belt no longer mattered to me. So yeah. it was, yeah, it was a huge shift and it took a really long time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I had quite a few sort of conversations with um, different friends of mine uh, within the jiu-jitsu world sort of as I was going through my own struggle with um, sort of you, you know you touched on the fact that uh, you'd roll with people who were of a um, higher um, you know grading than you and finding that yeah. you were either beating them or could hold your own and so you know through yeah. my own struggle with that I was having these conversations with friends and um, one particular friend of mine um he sort of pulled me up and said, like, Brie, what does the, the belt mean to you? Mm. And I was like, oh, oh well, uh, you know, he's like, no, like, really, what, is, what does it mean to you? And what I realized was that it actually didn't mean a whole heap to me. It was more so, I suppose, that that's just I, what you do in jiu-jitsu, you know, that's just the norm. Um, yeah. That's yeah. how it works, I suppose. Um, and then, you know, another friend sort of pulled me up and said, the belt covers all of an inch of your ass, you know, a couple of inches. Yeah. It's, it's your skill <laughs> level that covers the rest. And yeah. that was a big slap across my face that made me go, you know what, it actually doesn't fucking matter. Um, yeah. And I've had I, – I don't train a whole lot of gi. Um, yeah. Mostly I train no gi. I just seem to prefer it more. But um, there's mm -hmm. been a few times where I've gone to different gyms and, uh, you know, you, we sort of line up in our – um, in our grading level and um, yeah. you know I'm still first stripe white belt so there's me you know right yeah. down the very bottom of the mat um, yeah. but finding that you know I'll partner up with someone and, and quite easily you know submit them and uh, mm -hmm. I guess a part of me kind of enjoys having that um, you know sort of I fly under the radar a little bit um, yeah. <laughs> and just sort of build my way up uh, within the gym so yeah at the end of the day it's it's just a 
it's just a belt, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Mm, very cool. So I wanted to ask, how did you get into Muay Thai? So you started with Muay Thai. How did you sort mm-hmm. of get into that? And then what was it about MMA that kind of drew you from there? Um, so when I moved to Melbourne, I had just come off a really kind of heavy oof, seven years of partying and treating my body like crap and I was uh, was a little bit overweight and not very healthy and when I moved to Melbourne I was like okay I want to join a gym and just get fit and so I did that and started some PTs and some kickboxing classes and my trainer at the time who said you actually have a kind of natural gift for kicking would you be interested in trying out some actual martial arts he's like I used to fight Muay Thai and I know this gym near your house if you're interested I will set you up and you can go out and check it out. I thought, yeah, okay, sounds good, you know, <laughs> can't hurt. And uh, so I went out and, you know, I never wanted to fight. It was never my intention. I just wanted to I kind of, I really just like learning new skills. I like learning new things and I like pushing myself mentally and physically. And so martial arts was great because there was kind of these next little steps that I could take that was just beyond fitness. Okay, cool. I can learn like a martial arts skill set now. Okay, now I can start doing some sparring and that's kind of the next level. And then I did a, not long after that, I did a training trip to Thailand. I spent three weeks in Samui just training full time. It's my first time doing it. And that's when I kind of went, okay, I want to fight. I absolutely want to fight. And so um, Absolute MMA had just kind of opened in Melbourne and Mm -hmm. I was working a few blocks down in the CBD. And so I just kind of strolled down and had a chat to one of the guys there. And I said, look, you know, I really want to fight. And is this something that you guys can help me with? I don't really know know, what I'm doing or uh, what I should be doing. So and they were like, yeah, yeah, just come and train and like, let's talk about it. And I didn't realize they didn't have any fighters at the time. And um, I had kind of said, I want to fight MMA. And they just said, look, you have no ground skills and we just can't. <laughs> we, we just can't, can't do this with you basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and I kind of, you know, I was frustrated and I kind of said, okay. And they had brought in a new Muay Thai coach. And I started training his classes and and I said, Oh I said, Do you know anything about like booking fights and like how do I how do I do this? Like I wanna fight. And he's like, Oh, you wanna fight? He's like, Cool, I can get you in the ring in six weeks. Oh wow. And I'm like, Sweet, let's do it. <laughs> oh. And so yeah, I had my first amateur fight and I was super green and very underprepared and my skills were not very good. <laughs> And I got the crap kicked out of me and a, <laughs> and a cracked rib in the process. <laughs> but I just, I loved it. I just, yeah. I loved all of it. The, the nerves, the excitement, the adrenaline, the, even the fight camp, how hard it was, how hard I had to push myself and being strict with your diet, being good with your sleep, getting all my work done, getting my uni work done, you know, just like it was, it became this kind of, weird jigsaw puzzle of my life that I had to make kind of fit and work and then it just kind of spiraled from there I had um I had another amateur fight then a few months later when my ribs were healed and I won that fight 
And then after that was when I kind of took another trip to Thailand and decided that, yeah, this is the way I want to go. And I, I kind of always had MMA in the back of my mind, but I really fell in love with Muay Thai, especially in those trips to Thailand where you get so kind of immersed in the culture of it and the traditions behind the sport itself and being able to really embrace that and be surrounded by that. I just really fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, I just, you know, I'm going to do this for a while. Um, and then MMA came up because the opportunity basically presented itself. I, I, I was with AKA for one year or almost a year and um, I met James McSweeney in my travels and he's a kind of very well-known um, English fighter and he's, he was huge back in the K1 days. He was in one of the Ultimate Fighter series as well and he made it all the way to the UFC and I kind of met him and AKA was having some troubles at the time and I said it's not working for me and I want to get out of Muay Thai and into MMA and he said come train with me uh, let, let's do this he's like I'll take you on um, so from there it kind of was like okay yeah this is this is definitely the path I want to be on and sure I can take Muay Thai fights and if, if good Muay Thai fights come up I'll take them no problem but yeah the focus then was just like okay get ready, start getting your grappling good, start working your wrestling, start working your takedown defense and, and start looking for that first fight. Mm, very cool. Can I ask, uh, who did you train under at Absolute? Um, Dan Howard and uh, Jezza, Jezebel, Jeremy, I can't pronounce his last name, so I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Waru, Waru or something, it's a Kiwi name. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, and this was back when kind of Lucas was starting out as well, and yep. um, they only had the one location. They weren't this kind of global monster that they yeah, are now, yeah. uh, which is they've just uh, opened another one in Thailand. Oh my god! And it's right next to my first um, Kai gym as well. So oh, wow. I saw it. Yeah, I spoke to Simon, the owner of Absolute, the other night actually, because I just texted her. I was like, "Man, did you buy Lion Muay Thai?" He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> So wow. that was like a huge kind of spin out for me that my worlds are kind of somehow yeah. meshing back into each other. <laughs> yeah, no, the reason I ask, um, I, I don't know whether you saw it on social media, but um, uh, I've, I've just come from, so I'm in Sydney at the moment, I've just come from Melbourne. Um, yeah, yep, I spent that. a week with Kayla Hamilton and, um, yeah, yep. trained at Absolute and whatever else. So I've sort of... Um, Oh yeah, I've spent a bit of time at the CBD one and the Collingwood one. So yeah, yeah. Oh, very. Cool. Yeah, the coaching staff is very different now. I I did like Tiago was coaching the jiu-jitsu as well, and he still is now at the CBD, I think. Um, but yeah, the coaching structure has changed drastically since I was there. Yeah, that guy is a monster, Tiago. <laughs> oh yeah, he's amazing. I uh, actually. First... He... Sorry, you go. Yeah, you go. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I um I went to Absolute, he was uh I, I was still like fairly new to jujitsu, and um mm-hmm. I hadn't spent a lot of time around any like really high, uh you know any brown belts or black belts besides my yeah. coach uh, back in Adelaide, and um mm-hmm. yeah I I did a uh, uh, Kayla went in for her one on one training session with Lucas. And I was yep. there with my partner at the time, just uh, hitting some pads and whatever else. And then uh, Tiago yep. comes in with this other brown belt. And 
I just remember watching these two, you know, guys there in what at the time looked to me like a set of pajamas, just <laughs> like doing this, you know, wild tangle of limbs. And, yeah, you know, it just it just looked deadly. So yeah, that yeah. kind of really opened my eyes, opened my eyes to what was possible with uh with jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, I love mm. Tiago. He's he's one of my kind of favorite people there too, and he's always been, you know, a very vocal supporter of mine, which has been amazing. And actually, when I was uh, preparing for one of my first amateur Muay Thai fights, um, we were doing Shark Tank rounds. So it's basically me in the whole time with fresh opponents, kind of every minute, every round. Um, so basically, they don't get tired, but I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in comes Tiago. And he has gloves and shin pads. And I'm oh, looking at him and I'm like, what is happening? He's like, I'm going to help you prepare for your fight. Oh, wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. Someone's like, oh, yeah, he, you know, he trains Muay Thai on the side. He foot swept me so hard. <laughs> I crashed down flat on my back. <laughs> the, the noise that came out of my body was just, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> oh, I love like, it. I didn't know you, you you had these mad like striking skills. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. I thought he was yeah. purely jujitsu game. Well, there you go. No, I'm outing him here. I'm outing him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's dangerous. <laughs> he's a uh, he's a very humble dude, and um, oh, I love yeah. the Brazilian accent. It just it cracks yeah. me up. He's so just uh, yeah, super chilled out and. I mean, I haven't yeah. had a lot to do with him, but just in the brief sort of conversations I've had in passing, he, um, yeah, seems like a cool dude. Yeah, he's amazing. I think <laughs> one time we were working sweeps in a class and I think my, my boyfriend at the time, he's like, come do gee. He foot swept me onto the ground and I fell again flat on my back. And Tiago <laughs> just walks over and he's standing over me and he's like, Gemma, why are you no break fall? <laughs> I'm like, out of there, man. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Very cool. So um, what does martial arts mean to you? Big question. That's an interesting question. Mm. I've been thinking about this one in my own life as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of my life's blood right now. It's like, it's the thing that gets me out of bed. It's the thing that keeps me motivated, keeps me on track, stops me from being lazy. <laughs> yep. Um, it just, it's the thing that gives me my drive in life as well. And it's, it's everything. It's the community, the family, like, uh, you know, now with my new team as well, especially, I've been with a lot of gyms and I've never had this experience except for with Absolute where I felt like I was family, where I felt valued and respected. And, you know, it's just, it's that connection that you have with other people. When you're training like this and training with other people, it's the absolute rawest that you are, I believe, you know, it's, you're sweating, you're making weird noises, you're doing weird things, you're making a fool of yourself sometimes and everyone's there to see it and everyone's there to just kind of help you level up and help you with your skills, help you move forward. Um, yeah, so it's just this it's just this incredible driving force 
I think. Mm. Yeah. No, I feel that for sure. I think for me, ju- um, sorry, not jujitsu, um, martial arts represents uh, life. Like I really, so much of what I learn on the mats um, or, you know, in my striking game or my wrestling game or whatever aspect yeah. of martial arts it may be, whatever I learn there, I can sort of take away and, and see how it reflects to life outside of the gym. And um, yeah. I think particularly with martial arts, like it's such a high-pressure situation, you know, like if you if you don't sort of do the right thing in that moment, you might end up with yeah. a broken nose or, a, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever it yeah. might be or, you know, someone's knee... Um, you know, deep in your rib cage or <laughs> whatever it yeah. might be. Um, yeah. So it sort of, for me, it really shows me where I can step up to be a better version of myself. And at the same yeah. time, um, yeah, I guess it, sh- it shows me how I deal with pressure. It shows me how I deal with struggle. And um, yeah. at the same time, when things are going well uh, in my martial arts practice, it shows me how I react in those times outside of the gym as well. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Because you learn so much about yourself when you're kind of pushing yourself in these ways as well, like how mm. much you really can handle, how hard you can really push yourself mentally, physically, emotionally as well. Because, you know, there's a lot of times where I've had a meltdown at training or something and just ended up sitting on the floor of the cage crying. (laughs) Yep, I feel that. (laughs) Um, And it happens, you know, because sometimes just, you know, things get frustrating or overwhelming or whatever it is. And, you know, like learning to to kind of pick yourself back up in those situations, it all translates back into your own life as well. It's like, okay, you get knocked down, but you get back up. You keep mm. moving forward. You keep learning. You keep growing and developing as a person. And, yeah, for me, the last few years it has kind of really solidified who I am at the core of my being. And it allowed me to be that person as well because there's no kind of, there's no real box to put me in anymore. You know, I'm mm. not a certain thing or a certain way I can have my hair the way that I want it. I can be expressive with my clothes and, you know, it, it really helped me kind of finishing off the shaping of my personality of who I am and who I'm really proud to be these days too. Mm, absolutely. One thing that stood out for me, particularly with jujitsu is um, uh, I guess when you're always in such a high pressure situation you kind of almost become uh what's the word the overexposure kind of almost neutralizes that impact and um yeah. I, I have a friend and I know he's probably listening <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have this friend who he's he's never trained any sort of martial arts in his life and um we sort of had a we went and watched a couple of the UFC fights and and what have you and we had a bit of banter going and he was like you know um, oh, you got nothing, like, you won't be able to, you know, tap me out or whatever, like, this jiu-jitsu doesn't <laughs> work and, you know, just uh, And yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> this one particular day, I, um, he was sort of giving me shit and so I came up and got a rear naked choke hold on him. <laughs> and I guess because it's something that I'm so used to experiencing, I sort of forgot that it, for someone who hasn't experienced it, it's a really fucking daunting experience. 
Um, right. Particularly if you don't understand it, it it's like, has this person just tried to kill me? <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, he sort of uh, had a moment where he just looked completely shocked. Um, and then when he kind of, I guess, came to, he was like, fuck, like that, that actually was terrifying. Like that was, yeah, yeah, that was intense. And um, then, you know, I've sort of over time showed him like various other moves, like, you know, arm bars, yeah. triangles, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And he's like, wow, like this stuff is actually brutal. And uh, I was like, yeah. oh, because to me, it's just sort of, I guess, the standard. Um, it, it's something, I, 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 and again, from overexposure, you just get used to it. And so what yeah. I took from that was that um, in times of pressure, I, I suppose it's almost become my norm, so I'm better equipped to handle it, and it doesn't shock me to the same extent. It, it, it's yeah. almost like um, the tools are there to deal with it. So it's just, yep, step yeah. by step. Um, you know, you get you get trapped in a triangle, you do the best you can moment to moment to get out of that. Yep, um, yep, absolutely. Yeah, mm. yeah it's uh, been a very big learning curve for me, both as a martial yeah. artist and as a human being. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Very cool. So, look, what can we what can we expect from you uh, moving forward in your career? Where are we heading? Um. At the moment, our sights are set on Invicta. Um, yeah. That's kind of the next next kind of goal. We're going to probably take a few more local fights. We got offered some some fights along the way over the last few weeks. Uh, nothing's been kind of the right offer at the moment. But, yeah, just keep working, keep fighting, and uh, we're really hoping to kind of get a call up from Invicta at some point. So that's, that's kind of the next big stepping stone for me. Very nice. What's the big goal? What's the big end goal? Ideally, you know, I'd love to fight in the UFC, obviously. Um, short of that would be kind of the Invicta Bantamweight title. Mm-hmm. It would be amazing. Um, and post kind of fighting, I, I would really love to make the Masters of the CrossFit Games. Awesome. Cool. There's a couple of yeah. big goals there. Yes. <laughs> very nice. Look- very little time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's one of those sports where it's... Um, yeah, it, I, I guess it's a, a young retirement age, I suppose. Yeah, because with injuries as well, it's just it's you know it's hard to get yeah it's hard to get longevity out of the sport. And at the moment, I'm I kind of need I need some kind of surgery and work done on my body to get me back to where I need to be. But yeah, fighting for a few more years for sure. I definitely have that left in me. But CrossFit Games after that will be kind of the perfect segue. <laughs> out of the violence and into still competitive <laughs> sports. <laughs> I love it. Very cool. So, look, I've got three questions for you, three uh, mm-hmm. sort of moving away from uh, the career focus and more towards you as an individual. Um, so yep. three questions. First one, uh, what's the most profound experience you've ever had? Ooh. They're good questions, huh? <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't even know if I could answer that, to be honest. <sighs> um, oh, yeah, 
you want a couple in mind or? Um. I'll leave you sitting on that one. Yep, yep. We'll come back to it, all right? <laughs> yep. Um, biggest sacrifice anyone's ever made for you? Um, I think my sister. Tough questions, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if she sees it as a sacrifice. Um, but I lost, we, we lost our mom when I was 17 and, uh, she kind of put her life on hold for a little while to, my dad was terminally ill with cancer as well at the time. And I was 17 and she kind of paused her life a little bit to look after us and, and help get me on the right track, get me off to university and, uh, yeah, not have me kind of stuck in a standstill. So that was pretty wow. huge, and it's something that um yeah I, you know it's we don't talk about it a lot, but it's something that I'm you know extremely grateful for. Wow, far out! Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I felt that one. Um, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. Um, <laughs> what's my third question? Crap! Oh, best advice anyone's ever given you. My mum. Mm-hmm. To just be happy. Mm. I like it. Short and sharp. It's so simple. Yep. Simple. And it's yep. just, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, how I'm living my life right now. I I often think about her when I'm making these kind of big life changes and making big decisions. And it's just like, okay, where's the joy? Am I following the joy? Is this going to make me happy? Okay, good. That's going to make them happy. So that's it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Coming back to that first question. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I don't know, I've probably had a lot, so I don't know what the most profound moment or thought that I've ever had. Um, Probably the most recent, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, I, I I did a lot of work on myself over the last 12 months, just trying to develop myself as a person and get the mm-hmm. most out of my life. And a lot of that was um, kind of looking into stuff around like the law of attraction mm-hmm. and basically the vibes and energy that you put out into the universe and what you kind of attract back and how that kind of creates uh, events and pathways in your life. And I think discovering this and changing my my perspective of the world and mm. what I think I deserve versus what am I putting out there and what am I going to get back for this and the energy that I put out there and, and eliminating a lot of my kind of negative thought patterns and entitled thought patterns as well. Like I've paid my dues, I deserve this, why isn't this happening to actually no, like my frequency is off. Like I'm I'm letting people do this to me because I'm putting out an energy that invites invites it. So um I yeah, recently had a pretty huge shift in that where I kind of switched that mindset and kind of went, Okay, no, I can I can make the world work for me again. I can make things happen. So it was probably mm-hmm. the best thing recently. 
Hell yeah. Um, we need to have more conversations because that stuff's my jam. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. And one last one just for funsies. Uh, what's your favorite swear yep. word and why? <sighs> oh my god! <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> should I be swearing on this? <laughs> Go for um, it. <laughs> Courtney dropped a few uh, f bombs the other week, so oh, I love her because <laughs> this is just when I'm with her as well. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I spent all of a day with her uh, in Melbourne, what was it, four, about four months ago. And yeah. um, I presume you've heard her say, that's what's up, like, yeah. all the time. Of and, course. Um, yeah. I find myself saying it all the time now. <laughs> it kills yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm, very, or, um, I'm, I'm really lucky, actually, yeah. Sorry, what's the other one? Uh, okay, oh, no, how does she say it? Um Something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's up? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I got to spend a lot of time with Courtney in Thailand, actually. We both lived there at the same time, and she's a very, oh. very dear friend of mine. So, yeah, I'm, oh. I'm yeah, yeah. She's just it's a grateful right? Yeah. Yeah, absolute yeah. soul sister right there. Um, mm. yet, okay, so my favourite swear word I think has got to be fuck because it's so universal. You can use it for everything. <laughs> that is literally Courtney's exact answer. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Very cool. All right, where can we find you? Where can we uh, follow along on your journey? Yep, so if you jump onto Facebook, you can follow. I've got a public profile, Gemma Pike. I've also got an athlete's page called Gemma the Bull Pike. And uh, you can also find me at GemmaTheBull.com, which is my, my kind of blog and website. Very cool. Oh, and awesome. Gemma the Bull on Instagram as well. Perfect. Amazing. Well, far out. Thank you heaps for uh, jumping on. I, I feel like that was a pretty decent chit-chat. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, I'm pretty keen to watch it all come to fruition for you. And Thank hopefully, you. yeah, we'll see you with that Invicta belt sooner yep. rather than later, <laughs> hey? Yeah, yep, for sure. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to organise a bit of a an, another chit-chat about that Law of Attraction stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Awesome. You look after yourself. You too. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. Alrighty then. As always, if there's someone that you'd like me to interview, hit me up, fill me in, give me the goss. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more about what it is that I do, you can find me on social media under Brianna Bowley or the Live Free Movement. I don't know. Chuck it in Google. Uh, www.facebook.com forward slash the Live Free Movement. Brianna Bowley on Instagram. That's B-R-I-A-N-A Bowley, B-O-W-L-E-Y. And until next time, what else is possible?